0: All right, grab your Bibles and let's go to 1 John. You can kind of stay there. I'm going to be jumping all over as we start this new series we're calling Meet Your Maker. This entire series is about knowing God. Who is God? What's he like? Like how can we talk about God? What does the Bible reveal him to be? And this is an important question because we have all kinds of conceptions of who God is. Um, some of our own making, right? You'll hear people say things, which is just incredible to me. I like to think of God as, you would not say that about any other person in your life. I would never say, I like to think of Michelle as five foot nine, brunette, right? You'd look at her and go, that's not your wife. She's five foot two. She's blonde, Right? So, so that's blasphemous for us to talk about that, but we have to understand who is God. <clears throat> Greg Gilbert, in his, 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 his book, uh, What is the Gospel? He, uh, in one of the opening chapters, he says this, tongue-in-cheek, but hear this, one of the reasons this is sort of hits close to home if you listen carefully. <clears throat> he says, let me introduce you to God. You might want to lower your voice a little Before we go in, he might be sleeping now. He's old, you know, and doesn't much understand or like this newfangled modern world. Thank goodness all the crankiness you read about sometime uh, in his old books, you know, having the earth swallow people up, raining fire down on cities, just that sort of thing. All that seems to have faded in his old age. Now he's just a good-natured, low-maintenance friend who's really easy to talk to, especially since he almost never talks back. And when he does, it's usually to tell me that anything I want to do is all right by him. That really is the best kind of friend, isn't it? You know the best thing about him, though? He doesn't judge me ever for anything. Oh, sure, I know that deep down he wishes I'd be more, you know, better, more loving, less selfish and all that, but he's realistic. He knows I'm human and nobody's perfect and I'm totally sure he's fine with that. Besides, forgiving people is his job. It's what he does. After all, he's love, right? And I like to think of love as never judging, only forgiving. That's the God I know and I wouldn't have him any other way. All right, we can go in now and don't worry, we don't have to stay long, really. He's grateful for any time that he can get. I like, mean, think about that. Like, in some ways, there's parts of that to go, yeah, kind of, I think I might kind of believe like that. Like, fundamentally, this is how I function. I may, I may think that's blasphemous, but this is in some ways the way I function. Who is God? What is he like? What is the God of your imagination like? This is such an important question. But what's really important is that we know God. In like fact, I can't underestimate, I can't, we can't undervalue what it means, what the Bible would say to us when it comes to knowing God. Do you know, biblically speaking, why you're here? Now, I could talk about why you're here in church, but I mean a bigger sort of meta question that goes over all of life. Why are you in this world? What is your purpose in life? What is the chief end of your life? And we could answer it from the Bible. It is to know God. In fact, listen to this. I'm just gonna rattle off several things that the Bible questions we could ask and the Bible would say the answers to those have to do with the knowledge of God. So what is the eternal life that Jesus comes and offers us? You know what it is? It's knowing God. Jesus says, John chapter 17, he says, and this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. What should a Christian, what should cause a Christian to boast or brag, if we could say it this? Jeremiah chapter 9, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom, let not the mighty man boast in his might, let not the rich man boast in his riches, but let him who boasts, boast in this that he understands and knows me. What does God desire? What does God want from you more than anything? What that he sees in you would give him the greatest pleasure? You know what the answer is? Knowing him. So Hosea chapter six, for I desire steadfast love and not sacrifice the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. There's nothing you can give to me that I would love more than you knowing me. What is the cause of personal sin, of foolishness and evil and injustice in our world? You know what the answer is? We don't know God. Jeremiah chapter four, for my people are foolish. They know me not. They're stupid children. They have no understanding. They are wise in doing evil, but how to do good, they know not. Chapter nine, for they are all adulterers, a company of treacherous men. They bend their tongue like a bow. Falsehood and not truth is grown strong in the land for they proceed from evil to evil and they do not know me, declares the Lord. Keeping oppression upon oppression, deceit upon deceit, they refuse to know me. I mean, God is saying, none of these things would happen if they really knew me. What is the cause of, let's turn it around, personal holiness, sanctification, being like Jesus? The answer is knowing God. Listen how Paul says this, it's sort of in reverse. He says, for this is the will of God, your sanctification. Paul, what does that mean when you're talking about sanctification? What does it look like? That you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control your own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. He's saying if you knew God, these things would not be characteristic of your life. It wouldn't happen. What well, is one way the Bible describes a non-Christian? Listen to Paul in Galatians chapter 4. They don't know God. He says, formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved. And he's going to say to other gods, actually. And for whom is the wrath of God reserved? And the answer is those who don't know God. Second Thessalonians chapter one, when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, he will inflict vengeance on those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you see this? Like, do you understand this is not some peripheral thing we can talk about? Won't this be interesting to talk about God for the next few weeks at Foothill Church? This is, this is a matter of life and death. This is something that if you don't know, you'll you'll perish. Like we have to know this. We have to understand. We got to know who God is. So, So let's ask some questions. What does it mean then to know God? What do you mean by that? I mean, is this a, I got a quiver in my liver. I have this emotional response. I sort of have this ecstatic experience. I'm on this intellectual theological journey. I've I've seen a vision of God. I have a a voice speaking in my head. That's how, that's what it means to know God. No. See, that's a really important question for us to consider because, because the Bible's gonna say we're so easily duped into believing. Our own hearts are deceptive, the Bible says. I don't even know my heart. Paul said, I do things I don't want to do, right? There's things about me I I don't understand this. And I can believe I don't know God or I know God when I actually don't know him. So when you get to a, a place like 1 John, 1 John is all about, we could take time to even study this book. The entirety of the book is helping you understand, do you truly know God? And then telling you, if you do, then watch, these things will be true in your life. So for example, first John chapter 4, verse 6, we are from God. Now who's the we? The apostles. John and James and Peter, right? These are, these are the apostles. He says, we are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Now stop and look at me for a second right? John just said, you can know a lie from the truth by whether people are obedient. They listen to apostolic testimony. What is the apostolic testimony? It's your New Testament. It's your Bible. It's them saying, here's what Jesus taught us and we pass it on to you. And he said, do you want to know truth from error? How do I know if somebody's telling the truth? And how do I know if they're lying? He's saying, do they listen to us? Do they follow? Listen, students, some of you will be in classes this year with men and women with PhDs behind their name who will tell you lies. They will lie to you. How will you know? By this, we discern the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. We open our Bibles and discover that's not true. I don't care what you say. I don't care how many degrees you have. The Bible says otherwise. That's the answer. But keep going because he goes on and says, beloved, let us love one another for love is from God. Whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. So what what is John telling us? He's saying, look, it's not just an intellectual experience. It's not just I know all these things. He's saying, no, this will result in obedience to Scripture and it will result in love for other believers. That's just two of the things the Bible says. This is how you know God. Okay, but still, what does it mean to know God? What do you mean when we talk about knowing? Well, let's, let's start at the bottom. And I want to kind of work up a ladder with you, okay? We'll start at the bottom and we'll say, we can talk about knowing lots of things. I can, I can talk about um, concepts, you know? Uh, I could talk about things like I know algebra or I know English, right? These are, these are sort of these concepts. And you all know what I mean by that when I said, okay, he's speaking English. Yeah, obviously he knows English. I can talk about inanimate objects. I can talk about my truck. I know my truck, right? I I, I know where everything is. I know how to get around. I know how to drive it, right? A mechanic might come along and say, well, you don't know it as well as I do, right? Because I can't fix I can't fix my truck, but he can. So there's this kind of knowing, and I think we all get that. But it's interesting, as we move up the ladder, things get a little more difficult. Now, let's move up out of these sort of inanimate objects and things like that, let's move into a living being. I have two dogs. We have Gracie. I am so sorry, baby. My daughter's name, my daughter's name is Gracie. We actually did have a dog a long time ago. We named Gracie before Gracie came along. So uh, she's, way, this, she's way cuter. I mean, so um, I love you, baby. Yeah. So, anyway, I have two dogs. One's Ruby and one's Fontaine. Okay, so let's, let's talk about. I can say, I know Ruby. And what do we mean we talk about knowing another living being, like a, a, a horse, a dog, something like that? We, we mean, I, I would mean by that, like I know Ruby's personality. I know based on what I've seen in Ruby in the past, I think I can, with a relative degree of certainty, predict what she's going to do in the future, right? I know that if a peacock jumps up onto my porch and she's out there, she's going to flip, right? I just know that that's her personality, okay? That means I... I know her. But let's go up one more. Now let's get to another human being. Now this is where things start to get difficult. For me to say I know another person. You know why it's difficult to say you know another person? Because human beings keep secrets. And thank God. Like how many of us would want to say, why don't you just play a reel of my brain I want everybody to see exactly what's in my heart and in my mind. God forbid, right? We would be so ashamed. We'd be shocked. So we, we actually hide things from one another and say, I can never tell another soul this, right? So this is why, interestingly, that over a course of a lifetime, there are things that happen in a marriage. Some of them are wonderfully surprising and some of them are devastating so that I can be married to Michelle for nearly 30 years and like we maybe something's happening. Like, I didn't know that. I didn't know you felt that way. I didn't know you thought like that. I didn't, that's kind of a surprise, but it's, you know, maybe a pleasant surprise. Other things are devastating where people would say, I didn't know that about you and that is so counter to what I understand of you that you have shattered. I'm not even sure I know you at all. You've devastated me because this is what human beings can do to one another. So so what happens is this, the degree to which I know you and the degree to which you know me depends upon the person that you're trying to know. Does that make sense? If I want to know Chris Gannon, I can only know Chris to the degree that Chris wants to reveal himself to me and no farther. That's as far as I can go in that relationship. Let's move up a little bit. And now let's go to other human beings who are rich and famous and powerful and influential. Right? So now we're sort of on a, almost like a different plane. I mean, this is Meghan Markle, I guess. This is, I'm walking in downtown Hollywood and I see Bradley Cooper. I'm like, you know, hey, 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 Bradley wow, I've seen Bradley Cooper, right? How are you doing, man? I love your movies. You were great as that raccoon in Guardians of the Gal- whatever, right? <laughs> I mean, and, and let's say Bradley Cooper is incredibly nice. Meghan Markle is incredibly nice. You see them? you're like, hi, how are you? What's your name? I'm Chris, you know, what do you do? I'm a pastor. And, and, you know, and, and, and will you take a picture with me? Sure. Will you sign this? Sure. You know, does it? he's very gracious. He's very kind. But I have absolutely no expectation that when we part... We know each other. And in fact, for me to know Bradley Cooper, for you to know Meghan Markle, means they have to take the initiative. I mean, let's say he moves in next door, and then he comes and rings my doorbell. Hey, I'm Bradley Cooper and I live next door and I kind of want to get to know the neighbors. And he's like a cool guy. And I'd like to get to know you. And, and let's get, you know, let's, let's have dinner together. And, and 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 slowly but surely this relationship starts to form between me and Bradley Cooper. Can you believe this? And like we're <laughs> hanging out together, and he's taking me into his confidence, and he's asking my advice about stuff, and I'm asking his advice about stuff, and we've got this friendship going back and forth. Now tell me, if that were you, what would you do? I know what you'd do. He'd be like, so anyways, me and Bradley Cooper, we are tight, right? I want everybody to know this. I want you to know that we're buds. We hang, right? We, we, we're, we're always together. He's asking, my, can you believe this? Bradley Cooper. And we are one inch closer to what it means to know God. Because now take that and multiply it by an exponent of a trillion, trillion, trillions. And now we're a God. And here's the God. And he goes, I wanna know you. And you know how he reveals himself to you? You understand God is, you know, somebody said it's like an iceberg and I don't, I don't know the exact fraction, but something like a tenth of an iceberg sits above the surface and the rest of it is below the surface that you can't see. This is God. And he takes the initiative and he comes along and says, I want to know you. And what does he do? He gives us 66 books. And so I begin to open my Bible. And what happens to me, I see the king of the universe. I see the one before whom the earth trembles. I see the one that says all the nations, all the rulers, all the powers are like a drop in the bucket to me. I see one who is holy beyond my conception of purity, who is pure light, who is all-wise, who is all-knowing, who is never-changing, who is eternal, who is sovereign, who is supreme. And what does that do to me? I'll tell you what it doesn't do. Awesome, yes! It makes you shrink back and go, wait, man, I want... I want a relationship with this one. But he is so far above me. And his purity just radiates into my sin and his wisdom shows me my foolishness and his power shows me my weakness and his knowledge shows me that I'm a moron and all these things I look and I compare and yet I feel he's drawing me to himself as I open my I open his word. This is what God does. When you begin to know him, things begin to come at you from the word of God. You're saying, I want to know this one. Do you understand? Here's Let me tell you what your Bible is. Your Bible is a revelation of who God is, who you are, what happened between you and God, and how God is bringing it back together. That's it. So I look at there and I say, this is God. This is who he is. And I want to have a relationship, but I can't because he's so far superior and so more pure and so much better and so much more wise. And so I go, and what it does is drops me to my knees, and God, I cry out for mercy. I want that relationship, but it depends upon you. And God, in His massive, magnificent grace, says, Chris, I forgive you. I want you to be my son. I want to call you my friend. I want to come and walk with you. I want to bring you into my confidence. Do you see now why Jeremiah will say, let not the rich man boast in his riches. What is that? Let not the wise man boast in his knowledge. Who are you? Oh but let him who boasts boast in this, that he knows me. That's God. That's God saying, like, this to God that says, I want to know you. I want you to know me. And the Bible doesn't stop there. The Bible even gives us images and says, it's the knowing of a father to a son. It's the knowing of a king to a son to his subjects, the knowing of a shepherd to sheep. And, and hear me, you've got to first go, all of those are inferior, are superior to inferior, but there's a bigger, it's not just helping you see that there's a distance. It's also saying in every one of those, it is God saying, I'm going to take on the responsibility to care for you. I'm going to take on the responsibility to protect you. I'm going to take on the the responsibility to provide for everything you need. This is my obligation that I take for you. You're a sheep. You're a subject. You're a son, a daughter. And I'll do it. But maybe the greatest way that we know God, the greatest way we know him, What is God like? Who are you, Lord? Is through Jesus Christ. So John chapter 14, this is what Jesus says. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Some of you know this passage. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's good news, right? So I'm I'm gonna reveal myself. You don't come unless you come through me. And then verse seven, if you had known me, You would have known my father also for from now on, you do know him and have seen him. In other words, Jesus is saying, if you've seen me, do you want to know what the father is like? Look at me. In fact, you can't know the father unless you know me. He goes on in chapter 17. I've already read it, but chapter 17 and verse three, he says, and this is eternal life. They know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. This is how we know God. We don't know God apart from Christ. If I want to get to know God, I get to know Christ. If I've seen Christ, I've seen God. So I open my New Testament and there Jesus is and he's walking the pages and there's the apostles telling us what Jesus taught. Now I know Christ. Oh, that means I know God. Now things are reconciled between God and I. This is what it means to know God. So so let's, let's talk about then what does that look like? If I say I know God, then, then what does that look like? And I want to just take just a few more minutes and we'll be done here, but I want to just give you five things. Five things. Five things it looks like if I say I know God. And the first thing is just real simple. Knowing God is more than knowing about God. Right? In other words, it's very possible for you to know an awful lot about God, about Him. You study, in fact, When we say the word theology, what do we mean? Theology is the study of God. Over the next several weeks, we're going to study God. But here's the problem. You and I could study God. We could spend these several weeks together and not know God. What a tragedy that is. Knowing God is more than knowing about him. So J.I. Packer, he's written actually a book called Knowing God. And listen to what he says in that book. He says, you can have all the right notions in your head without ever tasting in your heart the realities to which they refer. That's what we mean by knowing God. And a simple Bible reader and sermon hearer who is full of the Holy Spirit will develop a far deeper acquaintance with his God and Savior than a more learned scholar who is content with being theologically correct. Is theological correctness important? Yes. We should all strive for that. But what's more important is I know God, that you know God. But the second thing it looks like is that it requires knowing God requires a personal commitment. Now now this this is true by the way when we when we got up that ladder above ruby and we got to people then any of those now require a personal commitment. Like, I want to know you. You want to know me. There's got to be a commitment. And listen, when that goes from the mere human level to somebody superior to you, then that means the commitment is not just I want to know you, but the commitment is I will conform my life to you. Here's what I can promise. If Meghan Markle wanted to be the friend of many of you in this room, I want to be an intimate, close, personal friend. You'd be like, what do I have to alter in my life to get there? What do I need to change so that I share her values? How does my life need to conform to her schedule? And we do this with God. He's... (laughs) Right? It's silly to talk about Meghan Markle. It's silly to talk about Bradley Cooper. When we move up to the God of the universe and he would say to us, look it, I'm not here to serve you. You're here to serve me. I don't conform to you. You conform to me. I don't take on your values. You take on mine. I don't now have your convictions. You take on mine. So we look at the world and we say what God says is good is good. What he says is bad is bad. What he says is sin is sin. What he says is righteousness is righteousness. God makes all the definitions. And we have no right to say, I need you to be like this for me. Who are you? I mean, it's how God talks when when it's trying to compare God to, to people. Like the psalmists are gonna go, like what is man? Like we are but dust before you. We are like a speck of dust and compared to the universe. What are we, God, that you're in mindful of us? And so it's a personal commitment to say, I'm, I'm going to listen to everything he says and I'm going to be obedient to that. Which leads me to the third thing, and that's that knowing God requires you to adjust your life to his word. And let me say this. <laughs> It's a shame I even have to say this in the world today. Do you understand that his word is all 66 books? It's not just the red letters. Do do you know this? Do you you know that Paul's words are no less authoritative than Jesus' words? How can we say that? That feels like somebody like, "Uh, What? Because we believe what the Bible says about itself, that all scripture is breathed out by God. That means that if it's recorded in scripture, it is just as much God's words as when Jesus spoke the words. When Jesus spoke, he talked, he was, it was God talk. It was God breathing. But what we have in scripture is God talk. And it's no less authoritative And we look at scripture and say, where am I out of conformity? God, how are you trying to push against me? We are not looking at God like Greg Gilbert was making fun of at the very beginning. That says, this is a God who never talks back. And when he does, it's usually to tell me anything I want to do is all right by him. And that's really the best kind of friend. There's no judging, never judging, only forgiving. That's blasphemous. No, God will push back against you. God will say, stop that. God will say, don't find your identity in that. God will say, don't worship that idol. Worship me and me alone. That's his prerogative. That's what it means to be God. And so we conform our lives to his words. Listen listen to to, what Jesus said, right? Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I say? John comes along, 1 John chapter 2, whoever says, I know him but does not keep his commandments is a liar. 1 John 3, 6, no one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. 1 John 4, 19 to 21, we love God because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this is the commandment we have from him. Whoever loves God must love his brother. Like that's pushing back against all of our lives. It's saying you got to conform to this. Knowing God requires conformity to his word. But fourthly, this is maybe the most important, knowing God is a matter of grace. Do you know that? Remember what I said when we sort of started working our way up the ladder? I can know Ruby like I just, you know, I'm going to do this. I'm going to get to know you, dog, right? But as I moved up into human beings and I got to influential and I moved all the way up to God, we said, there's no way I can know that person unless they take the initiative, unless they reveal themselves. And when it comes to God, it's even worse. Because not only must God, right, not only, not only does, does he have to take the initiative, but I have forfeited all right to even have any claim on friendship for him because of my sin and because of the things, the roadblocks that I've thrown up and say, I reject you and I don't want to know you. And so God has to make the first move. We don't know God until he knows us, right? This is a matter of grace. We don't just, we don't say, I want to make a friend with God. No, God must make friends with us. In fact, this is how Paul's going to talk in Galatians chapter four. I already read verse eight. Let me read it again. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not gods. But now that you have come to know God, and then look at this, Paul says, or rather to be known by God. You know what Paul just did? He's like, it's not that you know him, it's that he knows you. Your knowing didn't come first. God's knowing came first. He came after you. You are the result. Your knowledge of God is the result of God saying, I know you. Him taking the initiative. Him bringing you into his confidence. And we know him, to paraphrase John, because he first knew us. And you know what's wonderful about the, about the knowing of God? I can say, I know Michelle. She knows me. I know my children. I know some of you. We can talk like that. But when we step back and think about what that means, we know that we don't know everything. And the Bible says about God, not so with him. He knows you through and through. This is remarkable. Psalm 139, David's going to say, Oh Lord, I mean, I I think David's just sort of lost in this thought. How much does God know me? Oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down, you know when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down. You're acquainted with all my ways, even before a word is on my tongue. Behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in behind and before you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. He is so undone by this thought that God knows him so thoroughly, so through and through. He knows his past. He knows his deepest, darkest fears. He knows everything about him. He knows his sins. He knows the sins that are in his heart. He knows the things that are going to percolate out of his mouth that are not pleasing to him. God, you know it all. Which leads me to the next thing that knowing God means you are fully known. Don't you long for this? I know, I know there's, a, there's, there, like, like there's a part of me that would go, how wonderful would it be that somebody could see into the deepest parts of me, understand everything about me, and not run away in terror? Because they would, right? Like if I could play for you a movie of my thoughts, you'd be like, that guy should not be a pastor. <laughs> right? I mean, that, right? That, that's all of us. There's wicked things. There's awful things. There's deep, hidden things. They're like, gosh, God, please help me. Why do I think? What is this? Where does this come from? Whatever. And, and, and we see those, God says, Chris, I know all of them. I, I know your secrets. I know what nobody else knows. And I love you. And, and, and by the way, this isn't the love that goes, okay, that was weird, but I still love you. Or, well, okay, you know, uh, all right, well, let me think about that. I, I love you, but, right? It's like, I know. It's not a romantic novel love that sort of you know, wears out. It's not sort of the saccharine honeymoon love that like when we have to finally start getting committed, it's not as wonderful. It's, it's, it's none of those things. It's a completely, totally realistic love. Am I making sense here? Like God looks and goes, I know it. I know your past. I know everything. I know every sin that you've ever committed. And I know things that are deep and buried in your heart that nobody else has ever uncovered. I know them all, Chris, and I love you and I will still pursue you. So in the end, it is not so much that I know God, but that he knows me. And in that knowledge gives up his son for me to reconcile me to himself. I mean, do you see how incredible, how crazy this is? See, and if you, if you hear that and you go, oh, well, if God knows everything and I can, I mean, he, he, he sees all my past and the sinfulness then I can just, God's got to forgive me. I, I, I can do whatever I want. Then you don't know God. Because you cannot walk in the presence. Those who walk in the spirit of God are sons of God. Those who walk by the spirit put to death the deeds of the flesh. Those who know God become more like God. They are more and more conformed. Listen, knowing God... And knowing that he knows you through and through and knows that, knowing that you're fully known by him will not lead you to become more sinful. It will lead you to become more holy. Do you know God? That's the question. That's, the, that's really the, the question that we're going to ask for the next several weeks is... Do you know who God is? Where does your misunderstanding of God need to be realigned? And hear me, there's no more important thought. There's no more important sermon. There's nothing that we can know more than knowing God because it's a matter of life and death. It's a matter of eternity with him or apart from him. Because if you really knew him, then he'll say, enter into the joy of your master. If you don't know him, or as Paul says, rather not known by him, he's gonna look at you on that day that's coming someday, and he'll say, depart from me. I never knew you. God forbid that we would get to a place where we'd meet our maker, and those would be his words but it's say, I know you, you know me, you're my son, you're my daughter, you're my friend. Enter into the joy of your master. Let's pray. God, thank you that here we hold in our hands a book that is a revelation of knowing you and you've given us the ability to know you and I pray this would result in us loving your word like we've never loved it before and digging into your word like we've never dug into it before. But God, I pray that that we would be a people who, when we see ourselves out of conformity with who you are, when we see that our theology has caused us to move in a direction we shouldn't move, that, Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit, you'd bring us back. And refine us, God, and help us. We want to know you for who you are, not for who we want you to be. Not to be the object of our fantasies, but God, the the, the, the real bedrock of reality. God, I pray for for people in this room who don't know you. And I pray, Lord, if they are deceived that you would lift that deception and maybe today the word of God would penetrate their hearts and they would hear that warning of they don't want to hear someday depart from me I never knew you but they would hear well done and, you're my servant and you're my child because they knew you and you knew them and so I pray today Lord there'd be people who go from not knowing to knowing they begin that journey where they begin to understand exactly who you are and their lives are conformed. Most of it, I pray that they would know that Jesus Christ is the son of God and they would believe in him, that by believing they would have life in his name. And so do that today, I pray. Draw people, call them to yourself in the way that only you can, God. And we ask this in Jesus' name.